Good day. My name is Sky, and I appreciate you spending some study time with me. I'm here to help you make money in online poker by teaching you key strategies and getting you to take action. So I'm really stoked for today's podcast because I'm going to help you improve your out-of-position continuation betting skills. Now, this week's podcast, it's a video taken directly from the PokerForge.com from the Profitable CBets course. Now, you're listening, of course, to the audio format, and it's going to be useful. I'm going to be uh, imparting some good strategies to you, but it's probably uh, best viewed in video format. So if you go to the show notes page today, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 441, you can watch this video and see me go over all of the hand examples, see me referring to various smart HUD statistics and all that stuff, looking at the different players, different tables, different player types. You can see it all, which is going to help you learn a little bit better. And actually, when you see it all, all the slides, all the slides with all the notes and everything, it's going to help you actually take notes a little bit better as well. Smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 441. Oh, and of course, happy Mother's Day! To help you get the most out of this Mother's Day, as well as the next 10 days of your poker play and study time, I'm offering the 10 days for $10 deal at thepokerforge.com. That's right, I will be your poker mom over the next 10 days. Once you join, send me your stats and win rates. I'll give you two Poker Forge video and action step recommendations to move that needle quickly for you. And even better, after your first 10 days and you've done a lot of learning, a lot of studying, seen all that the PokerForge has to offer, your membership will just be $30 per month after that. A 50% savings! So go right now to thepokerforge.com to join for the 10 days $10 sale. I'll see you there, and happy Mother's Day! Okay, let's do this. Gambate! We win, and they get the chips. That sucks, dude. Dude, I'm telling you, it's jobs. We gotta get jobs. Then we get the khakis. Then we get the chicks. Starting tomorrow, we gotta stop playing games. Good day, poker peeps. Welcome back to another strategy video. This one, out of position, C-bet bluffing. A spot that we all hate to do, but we're occasionally put in this spot. Now, why is it so tough to C-bet bluff from out of position? Well, here's the thing. When you're out of position, and this whole video, while it's about c-bet bluffing, you can think of this as like your general approach to any out of position play or uh, situation post-flop. So first off, your opponents have more information to work with, of course, right? They have all of these advantages um, against you because they have position. They see whether or not you make the expected c-bet. So if you check instead, you're kind of showing a bit of weakness there. They see your bet size. They have a few additional seconds as you're thinking about your play. They can look at your statistics. They can think about your range. They can gauge how your range interacts with the board. The same kinds of things that you're doing because you're uh, thinking a little bit more. They have more time, right? They have more time to consider their options as well. If you see bet, what am I going to do? Am I going to call? Am I going to raise? Am I going to fold? On the turn and the river, they still have positional advantage. So if they call you on the next street, they still have all of this stuff in their favor once again. If they raise you and you call, wow, it's a bigger pot now, and they still have all this stuff in your favor or in their favor. 
So here's the question to, to check or seabed. First off, you want to follow the four steps to seabedding laid out in one of those prior videos, right? You want to know why you're seabedding, value or bluff, see indications you'll get what you want, choose your seabed size, plan for the future. All this stuff still holds true. It doesn't matter if you're in position or out of position, just all the same basic steps to seabedding. But here are the two most important uh, considerations, right? First off, you know that your value seabedding or bluff seabedding, right? So of course, can they find a fold when you're bluff seabedding? Can they call with worse when you're value seabedding? Those are the most important questions that you can ask yourself before you actually click that bet button. Now, there are three uh, things I want to talk about over the next three slides with you. Of course, like I said, these four steps up here, they, uh, they're always a part of seabedding in position or out of position, but some additional consideration when you're going to be seabedding out of position, you want to start planning pre-flop. You want to use some specific statistics and I'll go over those and you want to make sure you have to have your bet hit their pain threshold. It's critical and we'll hit each of these slides right now. First off, planning begins pre-flop. So you can take a look at this table. We are wacky one. We open raise to 3.5 big blinds, but the hand in the open raise doesn't matter. I want to look around at this table right here and let's start game planning it, right? As soon as we sit down, everyone's HUDs pop up. We should think about who are the flop folders because presumably you're going to be doing a lot of open raising. They're going to be doing a lot of calling. You're going to have many opportunities to see bet who folds a lot on the flop pause it if you need a little bit more time, but here's my answer. It's Marmot Milk, Barton's, or fold at 67%, so it's Marmot Milk right here, fold at 71, Burton Stud, and then lastly, Shimak right over here, folding at 80%. These players just as a total fold so often, we can expect them to fold quite often on the flop. Now, what about turn folders? Who folds a lot on the turn? Take a look at the stats. Of course, this is their fold I guess I should have mentioned this to begin. Fold to flop seabit, fold to turn seabit, fold to river bet. So who folds on the turn? Well, I'm thinking only one Lumley right here, 100%. He doesn't like to fold flops, but he gives up a lot on the turn. Now, what about river folders? Who folds on the river? Most of the remaining players, I would say, you know, floppy to set folds on the river, and then ladies man as well folds on the river, 70 and 57%. But there is one kind of hard to gauge player. Can you see them? It's the one we haven't talked about yet. Silver staff right here. It's only 181 hands. They're more passive than anything. 50-50 makes it kind of hard to read which street they fold more often. But I bet you over time, as we get more hands on him, it'll probably end up being something closer to this. Or maybe... Uh, maybe something closer to this where this stat starts to go down and this inches up because they don't like to fold on flops. I don't know. We'll have to see as time goes on, right? Now, here's the thing. You also want to plan for callers. I made this open raise. As soon as somebody calls me, I need to start looking at their uh, positional stats right here. So you want to look at the fold to see bet pop up as soon as you open raise. Let's say first off floppy the set test set calls me. I want to open up their fold <coughs> fold to see bet pop up and take a look when they're in position or out of position right now if floppy called me he'd be out of position 
And this is good. He folds more often when out of position versus in position. But what if Marmot Milk over here was the one to call me? Folds 67% as a total. This is kind of weird. In position, he folds 83. Out of position, 56. Now, it is a small sample. We only had 219 hands on him, but it's pretty indicative. Right now, he's in position, fold 67, in position 83%. I've got to be C-bet bluffing almost 100% of flops against this player right here. Just because he's telling me, hey, buddy, I'm totally capable of folding when I'm in position, which helps me out, right? All right, so the next thing, you want to use some specific statistics. Now, these are the same two pop-ups that we just saw for Floppy the Set and then Marmot Milk. The first thing you want to do is look for bluff raisers. That's what this raise c-bet stat could indicate. Anything over 10%, and especially over 20%, is a bluffer. When it's in the middle, between 10 and 20, it's kind of hard to tell right here. And that 50% might seem high, but it really might only be one out of two opportunities. I'm not sure, two out of four maybe. Uh, so not exactly sure about that one, right? But on the flop at least. Uh, kind of hard to read, but I would put them on a possibility of bluffing against you right here. But over here, if Marmot Milk raised my C-bet uh, at 0%, I've got to uh, put them on an honest raise, and I'm going to fold all of my bluffs against his raise. You also want to look for callers. Of course, call C-bet at 43 and 50. Over here, 17, because he folds so often, he only calls 17% of the time. Anybody with a call percentage greater than 50%, just expect a call. You don't know that they're going to call, right? But as long as you expect the call, that's going to help you make that better flop C-bet right now. Because if you expect a call, but you would hate a call, then you're probably better off checking, right? But if you expect a call, now you can think to yourself, before I make this flop C-bet, what am I going to do on the turn? So knowing to expect a call helps you plan for the future. Next up, look for floaters. Now, what floating is, it's when you bet when your opponent checks to you instead of c-betting, you could see right here, floppy the set, float is at zero. If he floats, I'm going to trust that he's doing it for value. But over here, Marmot Milk, floating at 75%. This guy likes to use that play as a bluff. I could check an expectation of him floating, and then I can check raise bluff or check raise for value or check call for value, whatever I might want to do, because I'm pretty sure he's floating most of the time. You also want to look for probers. Now, I know this is an out of position video, but uh, you know when you're game planning, when you're looking ahead, you can take a look to see how often players probe, which means they bet when out of position, when you check instead of c-betting on the prior street. So on the turn in river, while well, 13 is 17%, they do a pretty decent amount of probing. Anything greater than 20% is definitely a bluffer. I give... Um, Marmot Milk slightly greater chances of being a bluffer when he probes, but sometimes you'll see probes at 30, 40, 50% of the time. They like to they like to bet when you check behind on the prior street. All right, so of course you always want to hit the pain threshold. Here's that same table as before. You could see I open raised, Burton Stud was the caller, 8.5 big blinds in the pot. I'm betting about 70% pot at six big blinds right here. So remember our game plan, right? We looked at this table. We thought, okay, the flop folders are them, turn folders, river folders. Silver staff was kind of hard to read. In general, against frequent folders, you can go smaller. So on a hard-to-hit board like this, against players who fold a lot on the flop, yeah, I could go two-thirds pot. I can go 55%. I can go even half pot if I want. 
because they're pretty darn honest. But here's the thing. You always want to hit the pain threshold. And in general, nowadays, half pot is just too low of a bet. People make half pot bets. They call half pot bets. They raise them all the time. It just doesn't hit many pain thresholds unless you're up against a pretty nitty player like this or maybe somebody who just folds a lot on the flop. Two-thirds pot is good. This is what I recommend as your general standard C-betting, C-bet sizing. Like I said, I'm going a little bit bigger at 70%. Three-quarter pot is good, but you're risking a lot of money. So in this spot, Burton Stud likes to fold. It's a hard-to-hit board. If I go to three-quarter pot instead of 70% pot, it's possibly wasting an extra half big blind that's not necessary because it's very likely he's folding um, the same frequency versus a three-quarter versus a two-thirds pot bet. So I might have even sized this a little bit too big. I could have gone to 5.5 big blinds, probably be fine right there. Maybe even five into the 8.5 as well. Now, 100% is risky. It looks really strong and scary. It looks like I'm going for max value, but it's just a risky sizing. If people are folding versus 100%, they're often folding versus three-quarter as well. Now, greater than pot, yeah, it is very risky. But it is a super strong bet. If I make it 10 big blinds right here, then he's folding all but a king. Seriously, maybe the best nines, maybe nine, uh, nine ace of diamonds, right? He has the backdoor flush draw. He has an ace over card. Plus he has a second pair. Maybe that. But if I bet that big, man, he's folding all but the strongest of hands. One of the things about this though, some players will notice larger than pot feels bluffing. It feels like I'm trying too hard to win this pot. They could fight back against that, especially if they've seen me make 1.5x pot bluff bets in the past. Smart players will notice that and they'll fight back. All right. Now, I didn't mention this on a prior slide, but hand reading exercises are critical to improving your c-bet skills and your c-betting out of position skills. So I recommend daily out of position c-bet opportunities that went to showdown. Now, here's the filter I would run if I were you. On the flop, you are out of position. You have the opportunity to C-bet, not made the C-bet, just the opportunity. And then, of course, saw showdown because we want to confirm that our opponent's initial pre-flop starting hand and the hands that we narrow through the streets is in his final, uh, is, I'm sorry, his final hand is within the range we narrow him to. That's what I should have said. Now, when you run this filter, you're going to see something like this. All the pre-flop action will end with you raising because you have the opportunity to C-bet. But on the flop, you know, you have the opportunity to C-bet. Hey, I made the C-bet here. I check raised on this one. I bet, and then I called a raise. I check raised, raised again, and then I just check called on this board, right? Take a look at the different actions by street. Look at the flop, turn, and river cards, and go ahead and choose hand reading exercises or do your exercises with hands that look pretty interesting. I have ace queen. That's a pretty strong hand. Why am I checking out of position each time? He's checking behind. He's showing weakness on this baby board. I could have probably bet the turn, probably could have bet the river to take this one down earlier. I still ended up winning. Maybe he had a king 10 or something, but review these hands to give you even more insights into playing out of position with the opportunity to see bet. Now, the last message I want to give you is it's okay to check. It's okay to do so when you can't get value and they won't fold to a bluff, especially when you're out of position, right? Because like in that very first slide, they have so many advantages when they're in position. If you do not want to see bet, then just don't do it. 
If you see bet and they call, you're going to give them those advantages again on the next street. Be aware though, when you check, they now have an easy bluff. They can easily float at the pot. That's not a bad thing. Just be aware that if they're a flop floater, look at that flop percent or that float percentage. If it's high, they're using it to bluff you. Now, in general, as you know, checking equals weakness for sure. You can trap them by checking with some strong top pair hands. For example, you hold the king queen on the king eight deuce rainbow. Not a whole lot of draws on this board, right? Backdoor straights, backdoor flushes, and it's possible your opponent could have called with king jack, king 10, um, king nine, ace eight for a second pair. A lot of hands that they're going to bet when you check to them. Also look for just those frequent floaters. They'll bluff on that king high board. You know, you open raise, they called you, you check. They're going to think, oh, this guy is ace jack. He missed this board entirely. They're going to bluff you, right? But you have that top pair hand. Also, uh, take notes on bluff floaters. If you ever see somebody, uh, uh, you know, bluff with that ace high hand as a float, take a note of it because now you know that they're definitely capable of it. And then you can check and then call for value. You can check raise bluff if they can find a fold because they're possibly bluffing you. Or you can even check raise for value. Maybe they're the kind of player that on a king high board like this, a king eight deuce, maybe they have ace queen. They're not going to give up against your check raise. Maybe they will float and then call. And then you're getting great value out of them, right? So here is your sticky note for the video. Go ahead and pause this and write these. There are actually three different sticky notes right here. Here's the take action. First off, play with purpose. You're going to be making well-reasoned out-of-position C-bet choices. So you're going to write, the, write down those things from the sticky notes, have your notes out in front of you as you play your next six sessions here. I want you to game plan each table and see which street they fold on, just like we saw or just like we did earlier. Use the four steps for C-betting with every opportunity. Always look at the raise C-bet, call C-bet, and float before you make your out-of-position c-bet. Always, of course, hit their pain threshold and tag any unsure, tough, or just interesting hands so you can study them later. Now, study with purpose, of course. You're going to do two hand-reading exercises every single day. I want you to run that same filter for out-of-position, on-the-flop, opportunity c-bet, and saw showdown. During your do this during your study sessions or as a pre-session warm-up, and I love them as pre-session warm-ups myself. I always do one. You want to record any mistakes that you find and then work to not repeat them in your next session. So after this video right now, go ahead and do a hand reading exercise with this filter right here, and then go and play your session with focus. You're gonna be doing this for six times in a row. Alrighty, thank you so much for watching the video. Hope you took notes. Hope you learned a few things. Hope you have in your mind what you're going to be doing over these next six days. And I'll catch you on the felt. Well, thank you so much for listening today. Once again, if you want to watch the video, go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod441. And go check out the Mother's Day deal at thepokerforge.com. 10 days for $10. I'll be your poker mom and I'll give you recommendations from the Pokerforge that will move the needle the quickest for you over those 10 days. After that, your pokerforge.com membership will be $30 per month. A 50% savings! Go to thepokerforge.com right now. Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be.